People buy houses every day. No big deal to the bank. But buying my first home? That was a big deal to me. That's why I got my mortgage from DCU. They were with me every step of the way. I was able to get a great rate, and they'll service my loan for as long as I have it. Plus, they let me manage my mortgage online, anytime. My mortgage from DCU was the first step, and now, I'm home. What will DCU mean to you? Insured by NCUA, NMLS number 466914, equal housing lender, membership required. Visit dcu.org. Worcester Culture Watch, a podcast connecting you with the local culture scene in Worcester. Arts, entertainment, music, and more. Worcester Culture Watch, from the Worcester Telegram and Gazette. And hello, you are listening to Worcester Culture Watch on Telegram.com and WorcesterMag.com and Unity Radio 97.9 FM, the station that means well. (laughs) I am here in the studio. As I often am with Worcester Magazine reporter Bill Shaner. How you doing, Bill? I'm doing great. I'm Victor Infante, entertainment editor for the Worcester Telegram and Gazette and content editor for Worcester Magazine and guy who makes bad jokes on the podcast. What can I say? It's What's that, a pod without bad jokes? Gotta have bad jokes. We, we have to. Lends we, it a certain authenticity. We have to. We have to. Otherwise, we would have to depend on talent, and I don't think that's happening. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, no. no. We need to be endearingly bad at this. Exactly. Exactly. Um, today, on the cover of Worcester Magazine, to live and love in the woo. Yes. And I think this is one of the few very acceptable uses of the phrase, the woo, tell right. the truth. Right. Um, because we're talking Valentine's Day. Yep. Um, Sorry, I have a cold, so I'll be sniffling in the That's all right. That's all right. Um, just don't breathe on me. Um, no, no. <laughs> we've well, got... Um, we won't do that. No, no, no. Um, we will not be making coronavirus jokes here. Um, but no, we have t- our centerpiece, as it were. We have a lot of Valentine's Day-related stories in this one. Mm-hmm. But our centerpiece is stories by yourself and Sarah Connell Sanders, one about the sweet side of dating in Worcester, the other about the bitterly rotten, sour side of dating in Worcester. Guess and who did which? Which one, which one did you write? <laughs> yeah, I wrote the, the bitterly sour side. I had the idea, uh, the, the awful idea. Really, it was a really terrible idea, and I'm, I don't know why you allowed me to do this. Uh, oh, I of, did it because it was a terrible idea. I do many things because they are <laughs> terrible ideas. Uh, I had the idea of putting out a call uh, for people to share their worst dating stories in Worcester. Uh, and what I got was exactly what I <laughs> had asked for. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just going to read the first one Go for it. verbatim because it's so good. Winner of 2012. When I was 24, I took a woman out to Albasha. We had met through a mutual friend, and she had never been there before, so I thought it seemed cool. We set, the de- uh, we set the date a week ahead of time. Earlier that week, my roommate's boyfriend had thrown up in the bathtub and didn't clean it, and didn't tell me he didn't clean it until after I had showered. I had a pop blister from playing basketball on my foot, and the foot got infected thanks to the vomit tub. <laughs> I tried cleaning it and not going to the emergency room because I was a day-to-day sub at the Worcester Public Schools and didn't have health insurance. The foot got worse, and by the end of the week, it was too swollen to wear boots. So I was wearing a sock with a plastic bag wrapped around it, you know, so all the high school students will respect my janky cast. Uh, At the date, I definitely had a fever. I was still wearing the plastic bag around my foot, and I was nodding off from how infected and sick I was. Former WOMAG writer Jeremy Shulkin met me after she ended the date early, and he rushed me to the hospital. We never spoke again. (laughs) 
I love how Jeremy is actually like the one like real person who pops up in the by I, name in the I know, course of I this. Story. So I in the in my little preamble, I said that I'm intentionally keeping everything anonymous so as to not cause too much drama. But it, it's the fact that it's Jeremy yeah, that just makes it Jeremy, kind of hilarious. Jeremy Jeremy Shelkin is an exception. He was a, a reporter here for a long time, and I think he'd just be glad to be associated with this. Story. Always, always, but especially since he he's the hero in the end. So. One time when um Worcester when Womag was still doing the best of Worcester. Yeah. Um one of the categories was um was um best place for a first date. Right. And I somehow managed to get into the honorable mentions Jer- Jeremy Shulkin's car. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Nice. I don't know if I've revealed a secret or if he knew it was me all along. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But um, I yeah. thought it was funny at the time. So some of the stories are long and awful like that. Some of them are short. Like uh, one time I took a girl to Buffalo Wild Wings and she was so boring that I got up and played hoops while she just sat there. Uh, that's a bad date. That, that is a, a really, really, bad, that's a really date. bad date. And that's a funny way to handle it. I, I, you know, I, 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 I have not been on a date with someone who is not my wife in, you know, over 20 years at this point. Um, so I do not understand dating anymore. I really yeah, do it's, not. Well, it's not good. It's, no, it, it's it seems good. it seems like it's gotten worse or it's, harder. It's I, bad. It's very bad. And well, I never I was, was actually very good at dating in the first place. Right, right. <laughs> but this seems like terrible now. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not good. Now it could be. It just could be my perspective and my age and the fact that I'm old and you know whatever. I don't know. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, I remember having bad dates. Like I, you know, I was a I was a music reviewer, reviewer back even back then, and so I would you know take a girl along to the concert and you know you know it's like hey i get in the shows free let's go see fog hat and yeah, somehow right. fog hat was not the most romantic date I could have. no i don't think no no <laughs> but no, it, i mean you do? i was kind of enjoying fog hat tell you know tell the truth yeah but, you know but um eh, what do you do uh, sarah has managed to find the brighter spots in this whole dating endeavor um we had there was an argument on twitter today about whether she was mistaken about what zip code um, Colonial Bowling Center is in. Right. So the and premise people, of this story is that it, it's like a, a date for every zip code, co- right? A date yeah. for every zip code. Right, yep. right. And she put um, Colonial Bowling Center um, in the 01602. Okay. Um, certain persons on Twitter insist it's 01603, but... That is not the case. Even though it is actually listed in a couple places at 01603, if you look up the actual address, it's 01602, which leads to this whole other weird story about how and why Worcester's zip codes are gerrymandered. (laughs) And I was so not ready for that discussion this morning. (laughs) Worcester has gerrymandered zip codes, huh? I I have not heard of this. Somebody said... And I, I kind of believe them that it's actually was they built the zip codes around the postal routes. Okay. That so the sense. routes that the po- the actual mail deliverers were going on. Yeah. I don't know if this is true. I don't know if there's any political advantage to mer- gerrymandering zip codes. Um, I, I don't know if anything is ever actually officially based on the zip code. Right. If, and if it was, it would have been a long time ago. Yeah. So I, I don't even know. I, I've got nothing on this one. <laughs> um, but Sarah's story is sweet. And, yeah, a lot uh, of and good suggestions the, here. And it has the, and even though it has sparked the weirdest Twitter controversy ever, um, 
I, it's literally just a, a, it's just a list of good ideas. Yeah. It's like, good you know, date ideas. I, I live, I, I live in the 01605 and I take us, the entry, entry is take a stroll at Green Hill Park. And this yeah. is actually a thing my wife and I do on a regular basis. Right. It's very nice. It's nice. It's free. Green Hill Park is great. Yeah. It's, it's, it's lovely. You know, there's nothing, you don't have to pay anything. It's, it's good. I mean, how can you go too wrong there? I like it. I think this is a great feature. I think this is a lot of fun. I think this is a fun issue. Yeah, I I like it. I like the, the the it's it's Valentine's Day. You can fall into a kind of a rut. Like you have to address it. Oh yeah. But you can you can do you can do it boring. You can do it fun. And I think that we we hit it fun. Yeah. Week, so. If I have one thing, I never want Worcester Magazine to be. I want it to never be boring. Right. Right. If we're if we're being boring, we're doing something wrong. Right. If we're weird, we're okay. If we're controversial. We're okay. I'm right there with you. If we're boring, that's not going to fly. <laughs> there's too there's too much boring stuff on the internet. It just doesn't really, matter. Well, it's like, you know, I, I, I have conversations about media, and I don't want to cast aspersions at any of our colleagues at, at other papers that may or may not be owned by Gannett and some that may or may not be owned by the company that owns Condé Nast. No, in the, in the, but, fictional, um, in the fictional other, other journalists in this polemic argument. But, but there is a tendency, I think, of... Of and I know I've gone off on this before, to push straight up quick reporting, which after a while gets very very tedious. Yes, and and people don't linger on it and don't talk about it much afterwards. They might talk about the subject, but they're not talking about the story. And yeah, I I, I don't know. Some there's there's got to be room for weird and cool, and I think that's our that's our niche. Yeah. We're going to sit here. We're going to keep telling, doing things that they tell us not to do, and it's all going to be fine. Yes, we I think. love it. Or they'll get rid of us, one or the other. <laughs> I got nothing. Um, I do want to put... Can't fight the tide. Sorry. I, I do, I'm dying over here. I do want to um, make a couple shout-outs, though. Thank yous for this story. Um, first off, our models. Um, Sarah managed to talk a couple, some of her friends into coming in and being models for us for the day. Two real-life couples, Dan Foley and Emily Briggs, and Eric and Ari Batista. Um, thank you. They were wonderful to deal with. They were really sports. We had each of them do both the good date, model a good date for us, and a bad date for us. Yeah, right, right. Um, also, one of, and they were great. They they played along. They played along brilliantly. Um, our photographer Dylan Nazari took those pictures, and they're great. He's he is getting stronger and stronger every day, every issue. It's really amazing to watch. And lastly, I want to thank the people that own um, Chasu Ramen, which is not yet open in Worcester over there on um, Franklin Street on the other side of the common. Okay. But the inside is gorgeous, and they made enough food for us to decorate the plates at least. Right. And we got to taste that, and it was yummy. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. That was so, that, that, I think that place is going to do very, very well because it, it's the same. Um, at least one of the people that owners is one of the owners of um, Rain Cafe. Oh, okay. Which is also moving into where figs and pigs used to be. Yeah, right. So we're getting a lot of Asian flavors and a lot of Asian influence over this uh, on the common area, and I personally can't wait because you know, if, after tasting this little bit of food, you know, it's like I got one chicken wing out of the deal, and it was <laughs> it was one of the best chicken wings I've ever had. So. Excellent. <laughs> uh, good. Good. Uh, but because we can't be Worcester Magazine, be all sweet and funny all the time. Who did we make mad this week? No. <laughs> uh, oh, no, it's, no, it's actually before the COVID. Yeah. No. Um, actually, well, there are. Yeah, there's a couple things that um, 
stirred the pot, including our obituary this week on the infamous serial killer David Paul Brown. Yeah, um, that was that that one. Though, yeah, people are reading about that. It, it, uh, the thing about the obituaries, and I know people hate the name obituary, except for the people who love the name obituary. We can't win. Um, never, never. Um, our freelancer Steve Seidel, um, that's his baby, right? You know, we let him do whatever he wants to with that, and you know, we 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 you know, edit, of course, but um, and his mission is to find interesting people from Worcester and the Worcester County's past. Mm-hmm. Not everybody that is going to be in that is going to be somebody you are proud to have shared a geographic location. <laughs> Yeah, interesting is an immoral uh, is an immoral designation. Yeah, a, a, and this a serial killer is an inherently interesting person. Yeah, and the, the story is monstrous. Yeah, I mean monstrous. There's really sometimes you you know sometimes you you want to start qualifying things and it's like no this this was monstrous this was horrible right, right. so but anyways I, he did a great job with that and I, that struck a nerve. Other thing that struck a nerve. Wisteria this week. How did we not know? How did we know that Wisteria was going to strike a nerve? Today? Yeah, I've I've yet again an old man shaking my fist at the clouds uh, with, with this column. Um, but I really, really want to hammer home the point that this Worcester Renaissance is not good for everyone. Mm-hmm. It in fact is very detrimental to a lot of people. Uh, all, um, maybe even more people than it's good for. In this city. Um, so I wanted to write about the Worcester Public Market because it opened this week or last week. Um, yep. And I think that that project, more than a lot of them, just based on where it is, uh, the combination of uh, business space and high, high-end high rental space makes it a really interesting microcosm of what's going on in Worcester right now. And uh, to see... So I said it's a good barometer for whether or not the project mm-hmm. of woofying Worcester, which is a, sort of a, a shorthand for a lot of things, uh, will will work or won't work. And um, uh, I think that that is an interesting way to look at this. So that's how I will be looking at it um, going forward. Now, and in some ways it is a different prospect than, and in fact, a lot of ways it's different than say polar park or even the grid where right there's less overt city intervention in it this is drawn by you know local business interests yeah exactly um exactly so there there are at least human beings in fact actually there was a point when it appeared where where um the market pantries opening and uh-huh. Polar Park were kind of in conflict with each other. Right, right. There was a bit of a surprise. The original map, market pantry, the uh, the um, public market wasn't on the original map uh, that came out when <laughs> when um, Polar P- Park was announced. And you know, there was clearly, and it's 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 funny though. But it really, and I do have a small conflict of interest because my wife does work at at the um, public market. Right, she works for one of the small businesses <laughs> in there, um, but um, so I've, there's my disclaimer. Um, what's interesting though is I kind of see the public market as an extension of the sort of indigenous canal district renovation. 
Yeah, and, and it is in a lot of ways. It's not something that's so transparently artificially placed here for the business interest of uh, someone in New York. Yeah. Like the ballpark project and the grid and 145 yeah. Front Street and all of that. Uh, and the primary owner actually lives in that neighborhood. Right, and the primary owner lives in that neighborhood. And th- those are many good arguments for it. And mm-hmm. I'm not... Uh, but my uh, essential contention here is that... it. The, the 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 rents in those forty units are completely unattainable for anybody that no. has been living in Worcester That's for fair. any amount of time, and even though it is a development by a, a Worcester person, a well-respected Worcester person, a Worcester person I like, that is going to have a spill-off effect in the area around it, mm-hmm. and uh, it's if it takes hold, if that he he manages to convince people to pay that much money to live in that area, it's gonna it's gonna have a, a sort of cascading effect, mm. and so I'm much more interested in that side of it mm-hmm. than I am in the the, the 14 or so uh, small business spaces, which is you know that's fine uh, as long as it doesn't end up a uh, Cadoba, uh, I'll be all right with. I it. mean, I, I I I will confess, I am so happy to be able to stop in at One Love Cafe and have Venice's cooking any oh, yeah, and, so and like and on a on a regular basis again. I've missed yeah. that so much. Right, right. Um, you know, some of the others I've tried the pasta place; that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and eh, what else did I have? I had the the um, teriyaki, and that was okay. So I, I think that I <laughs> think yeah. that the fact that this isn't so transparently a cash grab by venture capitalists, it. Uh, makes it even more of a good barometer mm-hmm. for for the the prospect of getting people to pay luxury because it, it's not even it's just what they they wanted to set it at it's not even somebody in New York who doesn't understand Worcester yeah. setting it at you know more than $1500 for a one bed it's someone who lives in that neighborhood setting it at that price yeah. which is just means that that is what the market is dictating and if the market is dictating that sort of rent everyone is in trouble i mean like it, we are we are in to to root for this business succeeding is to and this is the point I made in here is to root against your own self interest if you're already struggling like a lot of people mm-hmm. are to pay rent in the city you you root for something like this to succeed and you root against you being able to afford to live here mm-hmm. it, like it's really it's it really is that simple and it it stinks because if we just had more housing stock and if you know building affordable housing was a, a more than a throwaway priority for the state, city, or federal government, then we wouldn't be in the situation. I mean, you could just be like, woohoo, a nice apartment building with cool businesses. But no, that's not the reality that people are living in Worcester. The reality is that there's no vacancies in that all the new housing development for the past five, six years, the period that we're calling this Worcester Renaissance has been at the luxury level while triple-deckers have fallen into disrepair and the, 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 the rent has continued to just get more expensive, more expensive for the same product. And the only thing dictating that is a market force that has chosen Worcester to be the new it place, uh, artificially raising rents and making it harder for real Worcester people to continue living in the city that they love. So that is why places like the Worcester public market are a good barometer for whether or not this is going to work out. Right, And I think we need to make a distinction between something being a barometer and being... I, I'm not fond of Manichean um, distinctions of good and bad. Like, this is bad. Well, this is complicated is what this is. It's, most of these things are actually complicated. Well, yeah. Well, it's a barometer for whether or not it's 
they're going to convince people to pay this much money. Yes, to live in that is a very true statement. So there's no real moral designation there. No. But it is against my personal best interest for somebody for to rent. pay that much to yeah. live in Worcester. Because that means somebody else can pay as yeah, much. Right, yeah, right. yeah, exactly. And no, that I shows every that. other landlord in the city that, oh, maybe I can get a couple more hundred bucks a month for this place. Yeah. Now, uh, And that is not, that's not good. Yeah, there we are. Now, not, not good for me. Uh, it might be good for landlords, but the landlords are not my concern. Now, is there? Do we think there's? Is anybody coming forth with a sort of in between solution, finding a ways to keep these cool things and and still provide f- f- affordable housing? Is there any effort movement going on on the, the affordable housing front? There is effort on the affordable housing front. The city has uh, unrolled a program uh, that using sort of like a wonky process of securing federal block grant money. Mm. They're going to do a, a triple decker rehabilitation program to try to try to get more um, uh, like sort of inactive or dilapidated housing back online uh, to sort of uh, get attack that um, very low vacancy rate to mm. get more units. Um, whether or not that will have the effect of slowing down runaway rent costs is very much up in the air, in my opinion. Uh, getting numbers on you know just how many more units that will put back online um, it, it is sort of diffuse, and it, it's, it's incumbent on landlords to take advantage of the program. Uh, so they, it's not like they can even say, you know, this is going to open up X number of more rental units uh, in the city. So... I, I mean, they that has been there. They have the I can't remember what it's called right now, but they have a program yeah. to increase affordable housing. Um, but it, you know, it's not like it's not building more housing. No, all the housing that's being constructed is uh, save for a couple smaller, like fifty. There's a fifty unit project on Chandler Street. Uh, that's going to be affordable, but uh, everything else has been in the uh, sort of like the luxury end of it, sort of targeting a market or like a class of people that are not what I would consider to be of Worcester. It's sort of like the the the, the spirit is luring in this sort of white creative class of uh, outside people, young professionals that are won't mind paying this sort of rent. And I think that that works a lot better in a city with a good brand, mm. you know, like an attractive city. Uh, like like Boston or New York, where it's like, oh yeah, I'm, I want to, I want my life to basically be like the Showgirls on HBO. No one's gonna come to Worcester for the Showgirls. Uh, that that's not that, that. I mean, you can you can try all you want, but that's that's not gonna happen. Uh, but if I'm wrong and it does happen, I'm personally screwed. All of my friends are screwed, and everyone everyone that I know and love who doesn't own property in Worcester is screwed. If, I, if I, people, if people consider Worcester to be a cool city like that, like they're like, they want to consume a prepackaged urban experience in Worcester. That is like the show girls, like then we're, we're doomed. We're, we might as well just be Boston, hightail it out. We'll all be living in Southbridge um, in the next five years. So my neighbors just moved to Southbridge. Yeah. That's yep. the, that's the way it goes. Yep. I, I sometimes think that I should just create a Facebook event that says everyone moves to Southbridge by 2025 and just move everything cool about Worcester to Southbridge and just let, let, let Worcester die. Yeah. It's Southbridge and Fitchburg. Yeah. Southbridge or Fitchburg. Those are your options. Those, folks. That, that is where people seem to be moving. But yeah. anyways, if that apocalyptic, um, prediction comes true. I don't know how seems apocalyptic to be, it is. I think uh, that it's just a matter of course at this point. So Yeah. Well, you know. I just I just wish there was more of a renter uh 
contingent that had a voice in City Hall that could say, hey, this isn't good for us. Like, what are we getting in return for this? Well, and that that takes organization. And yeah. I don't know if there's anybody out on the organizing front doing that at the right. moment. If there yeah. is, I would love to hear from them. I think that would be an interesting story. But the few bits that we hear don't seem very organized. They seem around yeah. buildings or neighborhoods. Right. And there's not a there's not a single city councilor. That doesn't isn't a property owner on the on the west side or the. East I didn't side. actually realize that. I, I, that makes sense. Yeah, but, I mean, obviously it makes sense because I mean, if you're in the eh, whatever. Yeah, I don't. But know nobody's, anymore, nobody's, no more communist ranting for me. Oh no, we've already been. We have already. We have already <laughs> well established our communist bona fides on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, I have now decided that whenever people start calling us communists on Twitter, I'm just going to respond with 19th century and early 20th century <laughs> political Marxist, yeah. Marxist and other and other communist philosophers at length. Um, I will bore. Uh, people, yeah. Because I think the, I, I I think the people that caught that counter, oh Bernie Sanders is a socialist are boring. Yeah, that's really they boring. are very 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 yeah. boring. No, it's not boring. What? Music. We're gonna <laughs> wrap up this wrap up this section. We'll be back in a few moments. But we're here is Bobby Blunders playing a song by James Keys. Just move on, scatter like leaves into the wind. 
And we're back. You have been listening to Hardliner by Bobby Blunders. Hardliner is a song by James Keyes. Um, the band Bobby Blunders out of Long Beach, California, covered it as part of our great Worcester Magazine song swap last week. Um, it's actually kind of funny because, you know, they're a faraway band, but they've actually got a number of local connections and relatives in bands, including the Pathetics and Evil Felipe. So, hey, you know, practically family. Anyways, we are joined here in the studio by entertainment reporter Richard Duckett. How are you today, Richard? Hello, Victor. I'm fine. Excellent. Now, uh, what I love about February, like January is a wasteland. February, we've got Valentine's Day. We've got Black History Month, We, which gives us an amazing array of really cool events coming on and lots and lots of things happening. So what what is piquing your interest right about now? Well, there's a very interesting production coming up just for three days around uh, Valentine's Day. Um, it's, a, it's a musical called Making Sense, and it was written by Stephen Murray, who's a prolific Worcester um, playwright, musician, and and local educator. And, um, and Making Sense had its premiere 25 years ago at the Worcester County Light Opera Club, and... A reviewer wrote uh, that it was an enjoyable and clever show with lots of creative, catchy music along with an infectious sense of fun. And um, that reviewer was me. So, uh, so <laughs> that may, may as well come young clean. whippersnapper uh, cub yeah. reporter. I was, I was very young uh, <laughs> when I wrote that. But um, anyway, um, 25 years later, Making Sense is going to have its fourth production, but being put on by Vanilla Box Productions at Holy Name High School. Um, it is a fun show. Um, very high spirited. Um, it's sort of based on the premise that uh, Aphrodite, the beautiful god- Greek goddess of love, comes back to Earth um, because she thinks a perfume company called the Goddess of Love Fragrance Company has built has built a monument to her. But in fact, they haven't. And so, uh, <laughs> so Aphrodite and Eros um, play some tricks on uh, the local um, on the local. Um, employees and anyway it's all mayhem fun and and uh, everything ends up happily ever after and uh, i'm not going to give away my story 25 years later but um um this production has its own real life love story so you can you can check that out and i think that i think that is definitely worth a read that story is up right now on worcester magazine or worcestermag.com and you can find it in this week's worcester magazine so go ahead and grab a copy yeah, I mean, there are a number of um, events um, pinned around um, um, Valentine's Day. I mean, there's uh, the Hanover Theatre, there's the Acts of Love, which is being put on by its youth company. It's monologues on love in its many forms. Mm. There's, uh, I think, Old Sturbridge Village is having a Valentine's Day dinner, as is um, Tower Hill Botanic Garden. So... Um, yeah, Valentine's Day is one is one um, event that uh, tends to dominate February. Um, on another note, um, February is also Black History Month, Indeed. and um, Worcester has a number of uh, very interesting, worthwhile uh, programs. And on February twenty first, All Saints Church is um, presenting baritone singer James Dargan, and uh, he has a recital program called Oh Glory 
but he states uh, grew out of a desire to celebrate black American musical history. And uh, he says it's turned into a public service mission. Uh, he wants to leave audiences with renewed hope and renewed strength for caring for one another. And the recital program that he's put together um, is based primarily on the repertoire of five great uh, African-American singers and musicians, Paul Robeson, Roland Hayes, Nina Simone, Billie Holiday, and Robert McFerrin Jr. I can't really go too wrong with that combination. <laughs> no, no, it's a great combination, but uh, all of them had um, lives that were troubled um, by external and internal forces, or either or. I mean, Paul Robeson uh, was, was in movies, in opera, but he was hounded by... Um, by people like um, Senator Joseph McCarthy, mm. and who made his life miserable. Uh, a couple of decades later, the same sort of thing happened to Nina Simone. Um, Roland Hayes and Robert McFerrin were considered to be the, some of the greatest 20th century classical music and operatic voices of the 20th century, mm -hmm. and yet they never really got their full due recognition. No, um, no, they haven't. And, and Billie Holiday um, had her own... She had a number of demons, demons that haunted her entire life. Yes, yes. So, and yet the repertoire that these um, five singers uh, embody is really incredible. It ranges from Schubert to um, um, Strange Fruit, um, and James Dargan will also sing spirituals. Um, some of them based on his own arrangements. Um, well, that's that sounds fascinating. Yeah, so that's uh, February twenty first, All Saints Church. $10 donation, um, and uh, I think that, that's going to be a great evening. I really think that's something to look forward to. Uh, like I said, this is a really great time of year. There's, if you go through the calendar, there's just there are parties and events happening all week, all week long. Um, a couple other how, how, the high notes. I speak English good here. Um, Tony Soul is playing at Chan's, which is sort of in our... No, he is playing at Halligan's. Um, John Nemeth is playing at Chan's, and we've also got... Um, I have lost the plot entirely. Comedian Noah Gardenschwartz at Woohaha Comedy Club. Or you could just go to Monster Trucks. I don't know. I hope, why we have Monster Trucks on Valentine's Day, I'm sure it's just a coincidence of... The <laughs> well, they're gonna they're gonna be here Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah, at the BCU Center. Uh, they, that always draws a big crowd. Oh yeah. So if if your idea of romance is watching big big trucks, you know, pile over little trucks, this is it. This is like the golden moment. You've been waiting for this all your relationship. Now I don't know. <laughs> I've just gone off the plot entirely here, haven't I? Well, <laughs> alternatively, alternatively though, you could, on Valentine's Day evening, uh, Mechanic Soul, you could go and see the National Symphony Orchestra of Ukraine. And, well, that uh, actually sounds pretty cool. And uh, actually, they, Monster Cut's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they have um, a very interesting program, and the. Ukrainian-born cellist uh, Nat Natalia Koma is, is, the, is the featured guest soloist, and she'll be um, playing Tchaikovsky's Rococo Variations. Um, well, that's a piece she learned um, 
when she was uh, a child and comes back to every year and every year finds something new to it. Um, that's a beautiful work and um, it, should be, it should be a beautiful evening of music. Well, that's exciting. That's, I mean, that, it is, it, it's, it's, like I said, I love February because there's such a range. There really is something for everybody this time, this time of year. So I think it's the time of year where people just get a little tired of being cooped up in winter and <laughs> want to get out and do things. All right. Um, is there anything else coming up on our near horizon we should be aware of? Well, um, the New York Times bestselling author, artist, and Worcester native Jarrett Krasowska is coming here at Mechanics Hall uh, for a two-day engagement. Uh, we'll be putting on workshops. Um on various topics, such as writing with pictures. Um, he'll be featuring uh, Hey Kiddo, uh, live and unabridged. Mm. And, uh, so uh, that'll be February 23rd and 24th. And, of course, looking ahead to March, we uh, that's going to be chock full of things too. And I know we'll be having a lot of St. Patrick's Day activities, and I'm sure we'll be writing a lot of stories about them. So stay tuned. Excellent. On that note, I think it's time to wrap up another Worcester Culture Watch. Um, as always, our music was composed by DJ Manipulator. We'll be back again next week. Thanks. Bye-bye.